welcome to International In-Depth. I'm your host, Mark Fearborn. Thank you for tuning in to Washburn Radio. I'm joined today by two students, Amy Epp and Lindsay Kramer, who just returned recently from a trip to Belize, and they're here to tell us a little bit about their experience on their study abroad program. Thank you both for being here today. Thank Thank you for having us. Well, it's really great to see you all, and uh, I mean, Belize, that's a... Definitely a different experience, Central America, correct? Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, what made you decide that this was the study abroad trip for you? Was there anything about that part of the world that really stood out to you? Um, um, I could say, you know, we, it being winter in Kansas, we definitely wanted to go somewhere a little warmer. I would say, yeah. And having Washburn sponsoring it, it allowed us to go to a third world country that's not necessarily the safest place in the world and still have protection through Washburn and be on a safe trip. Now that's interesting that you mentioned that. So was this in particular a trip that uh, you looked at and said, you know, this is a um, almost a complete contrast to your daily life and you, that was something that stood out to you? I would say so, yeah. Just getting a little bit of difference in our everyday life was kind of something we were looking forward to, kind of the culture shock of it all. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So um, when you first set out for this trip, you know, you touched down in Belize. Where was your starting point? What was the first thing that you saw um, coming out into that area of the world? Um, Customs. Yep. Customs in the airport. The airport was definitely different than one that you would see here in America. It was a lot smaller. um, Heavily understaffed, mm -hmm. for sure. We waited in line for probably like two or three hours trying to get through. Really, really unorganized. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it made Kansas City Airport look like a palace, pretty much. Yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's weird because like that's a heavily tourist like destination and time of year to be there. So you'd mm. think that they would be more prepared for it. Well, that's absolutely crazy to hear that the, uh, even during the tourist heavy season, that the airport was uh, just seeming like it was a little understaffed. Um, but moving on into just the daily life and the world around them after getting out of the airport, was that two or three hours later? Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that, you know, your first view into that world outside of just their transportation um was anything different compared to that everything was different night and day wow yeah Um, tell me a little bit about what you were seeing and you know how you were feeling as well as you got your first look into belize um it was an exciting feeling just you know just being somewhere new i want to say i was i thought it was pretty overwhelming how different it was and how um like, especially even just driving back from the airport, the driving was very reckless. There and weren't a lot of, like, street signs. There wasn't any clear-cut path, I guess. Well, there were roads, yeah. dirt roads. Mm-hmm. But um, besides that, it was a lot different from driving here in America. Yeah. So, wow, just dirt roads, not really any kind of central path. I know that some people make some jokes about the, uh, the potholes in Topeka, but... I mean, I, I can imagine this was definitely a different experience, a little bit more wild compared to that as well. Um, did you, what were the locals like when you first met them? I mean, I'm sure that coming out of a place like their airport, you know, mm-hmm. or like a tourist heavy 
um, area that the locals acted differently than when you got deeper into the country. Did you guys see anything like that? Um, different, yes. Everyone was really nice. I would mm -hmm. say upon you know leaving the airport, we met our driver who drove us around for the majority of our stay in Belize City. His name was David. He was really nice, um, really upbeat and fun. And if I ever traveled back there, I would probably want him to be my driver again, just because of how awesome he was. But yeah, for the most part, I have no complaints of the people there. Everyone was really nice. Yeah. Did he kind of act as your translator along the way as well? He was like our tour guide and just described everything we mm -hmm. saw wherever we went in Belize City. Wow. And so you guys went from Belize City to even you know uh, key cocker like is that was that someplace within the city or was that somewhere farther out into the country that was um an island that we took a water taxi oh, to wow so it was what maybe a two-hour water taxi mm -hmm. tell me about the water taxi a little bit we the water taxi was something it was a ticket that we bought that same day mm -hmm. so we just kind of went and bought it and then waited in line for a couple hours um it was a good place where we saw you know other tourists and you know met people from different countries and things like that um the water taxi itself you know some they were different sizes i guess some were larger some were smaller um for the most part it was fine um and they had water yeah. taxis that went to several different islands including san pedro which was a much more popular tourist destination mm -hmm. um but it would give those tourists a chance to like visit other islands and visit um the mainland and stuff yep. and the tickets weren't that expensive either yeah. it was like eight dollars in american so yeah it's a great deal. it was pretty good and I, I i heard that you uh, had the opportunity also to visit the great barrier reef was that something was that along the way near the water taxi as well yeah well we did that on key hawker and so it was just one of they had little booths set up like on the one of the main streets mm -hmm. that had a bunch of different snorkeling companies pretty much that we could do so that was right off it wasn't too far from the island itself, yeah. I want to say. Snorkeling was one of the more popular excursions that you could do once you were on the island. And it was maybe a 15-minute boat ride. Wow. So. And you saw, I mean, you saw things like stingrays and eels and sharks. Mm -hmm. I mean... <laughs> That yeah. must have been a little interesting or a little scary, depending on. <laughs> yeah, it was it was different. We were definitely living life on the edge a little bit there. Um, mm -hmm. Well, they took us out, and then there was three different locations for us to do the snorkeling, and each location took about 45 minutes, and we were given the option to have a life jacket or not, which we chose to have a life jacket because it was yeah. a lot of swimming. <laughs> and... Um, our, we had a really good instructor who it's just something he does every day. So he's, he was really good at pointing out where everything was mm -hmm. while we were swimming. And we were with an, with a larger group of people yeah. as well. There so. was a lot of us, mm -hmm. like probably 40 in the group, mm -hmm. but we all like stayed together yeah. and he described everything to us, which was really nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We saw a bunch of coral and eels and different fish and mm -hmm. yeah. It was really cool. Now, did, is seafood pretty uh, dominant in their local cuisine as well? It sounds like this is a very, mm -hmm. um, it's something that's almost kind of like a, a Caribbean feel to it. Yes. Yep. I want to say all the all the fish that they had in the restaurants were probably caught that day or that morning and yeah. everything was really fresh. The mainland had a lot more like chicken, I think, in its 
in their diet um, and rice and beans was very popular there, but it was a lot more seafood on the islands for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think was something, so we're talking about how you've moved on to the Key Calker area. Was there anything on the island itself beyond the cuisine, the, the kind of getting into the waters around it? What was on the island itself that really stood out to you? The culture mm-hmm. was so different from the mainland. Okay. Like, there weren't any cars. There were just golf carts or everybody walked or biked to wherever they went. It was definitely tourist driven. Um, everybody had stands near where the water taxi would land and they all like sold whatever they could make out of like coconuts or something mm-hmm. um, or seashells. Uh, just trying to make a living off of the tourist income. Wow. So what do you think specifically was... Um, on the mainland that was different in regards to that culture on the island. I mean, of course, we had the, you know, there was everybody's really friendly. Um, the tourists are still kind of driving things in both places, but uh, was there something in particular that stood out on the mainland as well? I think that the mainland resembled the third world country that it was a lot more than any of the islands ever could. The islands had more of an island life and resembled wealth and tourism and just looked more upbeat and presentable than the mainland ever did. And you think it was important to get a view of both sides of it to just kind of see how, you know, these kinds of different tourist Mm -hmm. activities can influence the way that these countries develop. What do you guys think about that? You know, the tourist economy when it comes to these different kinds of places in the world, is this something that's, good for them or is this something that maybe is um can have that effect where you just have a almost polar opposite there um i think it's could be good and bad i guess seeing just how how tourist driven it is be before traveling to a place like this i didn't kind of understand i guess how heavily they kind of depend on the tourism i guess yeah i would say like the mainland didn't rely very heavily on tourism, and I feel like they didn't live as well as the tourist-heavy um, islands did. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to say that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the mainland had a little bit more independence from you know international activity or trade? I'd say they were heavier in trade oh. than the islands because I don't think the islands really like took what they took and like exported it. Like I think the mainland did a lot more of that. They had a lot more um, big freights and coming in port and stuff. Now beyond what you saw current day in the mainland or on the islands, was there any kind of history that you guys delved into? I know that Central America is very rich in um, human history Mm -hmm. dating all the way back into the, uh, early days of humanity are we did you see anything um related to those kinds of civilizations that developed prior to what we know as the modern day Belize? yeah um we got to visit the mayan temples which were fascinating and it's exactly what it sounds like it's just this mound where Mm -hmm. these historic um mayan people um, were buried. A lot of the perception around the Mayans stems from, you know, that 
popular 2012 myth about the end of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so seeing it firsthand um, for yourselves, was there anything about it that just really stood out that was different than just that common uh, perception that you you know have previously heard about in the media? I was just surprised. It just makes me wonder like how, like what technology they're using to build them, mm-hmm. like just so far back in time, how, you know, today I feel like as a society, we're so dependent on, you know, cranes and like lifts and things like that. And it was just really fascinating to -hmm. see what people were capable of before modern machines and things like that. So when you think about your upbringing in the United States, you know, your education, the life that you had at home, did you get any kind of a look like a window into what that kind of early life for somebody who grew up in Belize is like, and how would you say that they compared? Um, I think they're vastly different. Like, I know one example is that when I was in elementary school, like you stayed in the school the whole day and you probably got a ride home. You wouldn't walk home. And like in Belize city, we visited one of the elementary schools and they like run across the street or couple down a couple blocks and like buy their lunch and stuff from a street vendor. Like, that's just unheard of in America, I think. Um, there were some similarities. They have the difference in public schools and private schools and Catholic schools. And mm-hmm. um, here, I, I guess you could say that a public school is, you know, bigger and maybe not the best place, not compared to, I don't know what I'm trying to say, compared to a Catholic school. Like some like private schools were getting, a, some students that were getting better experiences than they were at public schools. Yes. Okay. Yes. Finding differences probably. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. I would say public schools were very unpopular in Belize mm-hmm. City. They I had a certain know. attitude around them, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah like if you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Just watch the intro. Yeah, like if if you could afford to, you would want to send your child to a private school. Now, I heard you mention Catholic school earlier when we were talking about the differences between them. Were most of those private schools predominantly Catholic schools as well, or were they, or was that even another dividend of that, where you know you had your public schools, your private schools, and then your Catholic schools, which maybe even had some differences between them and the private schools as well. I would say they were predominantly Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, We passed a couple, I think, I want to say I saw one Jewish school Mm -hmm. and one Anglican school, um, but most were Catholic. Interesting. Sounds like that's the uh, dominant religion there almost. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Was David Catholic? I don't think he disclosed that with us. I don't know if he ever told us if he was or not but i think his i think his kids went to a public school in Belize city oh, okay. private schools were probably fairly more expensive than mm-hmm. public schools similar to here and probably the quality of the teaching was better at a public at a private school versus mm-hmm. a public i know they did have a kind of a shortage of instructors and teachers and things like that especially at public schools and beyond David, of course, was there anybody in Belize that you met that really stood out and made an impression on you? I would say um, at Isla de Carinosa in Key Cocker, the 
not uh, the principal. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but oh, um, he kind of started the school and was the principal and kind of just had this different vision for how schools should be ran um, instead of, I can't remember. Um, he was really hands-on with learning, I want to say. He was more, less about like memorizing a textbook versus um, being hands-on and actually going outside and learning, mm. things like that. He just had a, kind of a different view of education and things like that. How about for you? Did you, uh, was there anybody that really stood out to you beyond just the, the principal of that school? Um, I thought that the lady, I can't think of her name now either. I have this written down. Mm -hmm. Um, we visited an elementary school in Belize city and I, um, we got to meet the principal of that school that was actually at our conference as well. And she talked about how much she had overcome to keep the school on the ground. And it, even though it was a private school and how much of her own salary that she had to put into the school to buy supplies for teachers and such, um, so that the kids could have a good education and how much she went through was just a lot. Yeah, the principals seem to be very dedicated to um, improving the children's lives. So it was nice to see. Did any of the people, you know, children or otherwise, tell you about their future aspirations when you were hearing from them? Did they want to stay in Belize? Did they want to move out to other places? Um, we spoke with one, I can't remember her relation. Um, well, not connected to the schools, I want to say one of our boat tour guides when we went snorkeling said that he wanted to kind of venture out and leave the island. So there was kind of a mix of opinions. I think it's heavily frowned upon to leave Belize City. Like mm -hmm. they want you to stay and earn the country money um, and keep your wealth there and spend your money there. Like the principal that she was talking about from Keith Cocker he left to get his master's degree, but which was frowned upon. But since he came back and brought his education back, it improved the, the island and the people around him. You know, that is really interesting that you mentioned that. You know, there's a, a kind of mentality in many different communities, and it sounds like it extends even beyond the United States the shop small or the shop local kind of mentality. So there's that focus around. Uh, staying within your community, a lot of local leaders can oftentimes encourage that and they say, you know, stay within our community, help us grow. They'd say, you know, shop at the businesses that are here, build your own business, keep that money circulating within our own community and let our economy get a boost from it. So it sounds like that's kind of the push that you felt over in Belize and people were kind of saying that they wanted to keep them there and stay proud of their their island. Did you feel like the people in Belize were really just, they felt pride in their country? Yeah, for sure. They were, they were very proud of um, their way of life, even if they didn't have that much going for them. I think so too. Um, everyone just seemed so happy with what they had. You know, it wasn't a bunch of people trying to be something they weren't. They were just going with the flow, living life, taking everything one day at a time. So That's really interesting mm -hmm. to hear, too. It's, you know, it's maybe a contrast 
Uh, we talked about the shop local idea that maybe seems to recur within America and also this country as well. But um, it sounds like, you know, some would say that America has a sort of, a lot of the people have a sense of materialism that really drives them, the consumerism. And you, it doesn't sound like that's the case here. No, it's not. Um, they, you know, what I liked about them is they, all the food was like grown locally and everything was really healthy. Um, David had his own restaurant that we got to eat at and oh, he, wow. he had a yeah. farm and his wife made all the food and they got a lot of the food from the farm that he had. Mm -hmm. So like he had his own um, tilapia pond. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, as far as like material things, you know, I didn't see a lot of iPhones. I didn't see a lot of like designer clothing or things like that, which probably is just normal in Belize. So that was really interesting as well. So let's have a focus on brands, it sounds like. Yeah. So, did you see a lot of people dressed in, um, you know, less with like a brand on them, but more just like solid or patterned clothing? Definitely not um, something with a brand on it. Yeah. Um, Coca-Cola was like the only brand name that we ever saw. And it was advertisements for their actual drinks on banners. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be on clothing at all. Interesting. So that was the one thing that carried over mm -hmm. um, in branding terms. And um, yeah. Do you it, see a lot of that within the communities there? The, just Coca-Cola was... They were a Coca-Cola country. Like, oh, my they, gosh. That's what they were known for, mm -hmm. like... Um, that's all they sold in restaurants were Coca-Cola products. Wow. That's interesting to hear that, you know, they, they literally have been identified that way. So did you guys have Coca-Cola there? Any difference? Um, is Fanta a Coca-Cola product? Yeah. I think we did have yeah. some Fanta. That was very popular throughout Belize. <laughs> and it was, it was pretty different because they used real sugar in it rather than the corn syrup, corn syrup that's in America. So... Well, Lindsay, Amy, you guys have provided a very wonderful insight into the country of Belize. Thank you both for coming on the show today. Um, I think that we all learned a little bit more about it. Uh, parting words, would you say there's anything that you would encourage people to learn about Belize or just about studying abroad in general from your trip? Yeah, I would... I would definitely, if you have the opportunity to take it to study abroad in that kind of country, just because it's very eye-opening, you know, it, remind, it reminded me that traveling is just a plane ride away and it's really, it's doable and it's very eye-opening and humbling and uh, I think everyone should do it at some point. Having this opportunity to go to Belize was really eye-opening because it's not just the third world country that it sounds like. It's so much more than that. And there's so much to be learned when you go there. So it's worth going to and not just popular countries like the European ones. Well, Lindsay, Amy, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for listening to International In-Depth on Washburn Radio. Now be sure to tune into our live program programming on our website, washburnradio.wixsite.com slash krwu. And be sure to listen to all previous episodes of Washburn Radio talk shows like this one on our Google Play, Spotify, iTunes channels. Thanks again for listening. This has been International In-Depth.